You're listening to El Ninos, the Tornado Hunters Podcast. Grab a cerveza and turn up those speakers. Oh, 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 oh. Yawn, man! Whoa! Good driving, Ricky. Oh, there's vehicles underneath it. Oh. It's taking up power tools. Welcome to El Nino's, the Tornado Hunters podcast. On this special episode, the Tornado Hunters will be joined by director of photography, Peter Slack, for a commentary on a tornado that happened eight years ago this month, the world record tornado that hit near El Reno, Oklahoma. To set the stage for this episode, let me give you a quick primer about the event. On May 31st, 2013, a very well forecast tornado event happened outside Oklahoma City near the community of El Reno. It was a, a special and, and a tragic day at the same time. Not only was this the largest tornado ever recorded, but due to its forecast ability and proximity to Norman, Oklahoma, it was also the most researched and documented tornado in history. Sadly, the day took a tragic turn when nine people were killed, including four storm chasers. And three of those storm chasers were friends, Tim Samaras, Paul Samaras, and Carl Young, who made up the highly respected Twist X team. By anyone's standards, Tim Samaras would have been considered a, uh, as a safe and experienced chaser, and nobody expected Tim to be among the first storm chasers ever killed while chasing. Honestly, for, for the chasing community, that was unfathomable. So as I mentioned, the forecast was consistent, and it was scary, and it was like that for several days. In fact, the Storm Prediction Center in Norman, Oklahoma, did such an amazing job of forecasting that when we as a team looked at the models the day before, uh, we looked at the forecast, and then we looked at the SPC forecast, and we put a pin in the map at El Reno, Oklahoma, and actually spent the night prior to the tornado in a motel in the town of El Reno. The tornado ended up being 2.6 miles wide at its peak, uh, there were radar-indicated winds, which peaked at almost 300 miles per hour, which is insane. Officially, the tornado was given a hotly debated and still hotly debated rating of EF3, and that's because the EF3 scale is a measure of damage and not of wind speed. If it was just based on wind speed, everyone agrees this would be an EF5 tornado. But either way, it was intense, it was dangerous, and it's a day that none of us will ever forget. So today we've brought together everybody who was in the truck that day, including uh, the director of photography, the guy who was shooting shooting the scene, Peter Slack, and he was with us the entire uh, week, but more importantly, he was with us in those minutes between the tornado starting out as just a small little twister on the plains and growing to be the largest tornado ever recorded. I'm gonna say that it was an event that easily could have ended our lives. It was uh, an event that uh, changed all of our lives. Here's how this commentary is going to go today. We're going to be uh, playing the video that Peter shot virtually in its entirety. I've cut out a, uh, a few areas where nothing was happening and no comments were being made. But for the most part, it's uh, in its entirety, everything that Peter was shooting. 
and he was in the backseat of Flash the Tornado Truck. I'm going to stop the video at key decision-making points, and we're going to discuss our thoughts. And we're going to share some insight as to how and why we made the decisions we made. Some of them were wrong. Facilitating this whole process will be our good friend, Nick the Body. He was watching our live stream, and he saw everything unfold in real time. So if you'd like to watch the video and see what we were seeing, head on over to my YouTube channel. Uh, go to YouTube and do a search for Greg Johnson Tornado Hunter. And on that YouTube channel, I have uploaded the video that we're going to be watching today. And you can watch and, and follow along and pause when needed as, as we're speaking about it. So without further ado, let's meet the team. Uh, Cubby, let's start off with you. Just give me a 30-second elevator pitch. What was that day like for you? Well, Reno, I mean, like you said, you know, it's like it was the largest trail ever recorded in North American history. That day when we first started, when that first little needle dropped out of that storm, out of that wall cloud, you know, it was a beautiful thing. It was just like a typical chase day. Okay, let's get close. Let's get in position. Let's get some shots. And then, boom, that thing just exploded. And it was scary. And I mean, I think that uh, I mean, I think that's how we all felt that it was uh, it was terrifying. We weren't really expecting that. Ricky, what about you? What's your first impression looking back now eight years later is there is there a moment that sticks with you among all of the many moments that we're going to be talking about you know from before it began to the middle of it to after um it's by far the scariest moment of my life and it's uh, one of those points in my life that it's, it's a real defining point in my life and so uh, you know just as we talk about it i get chills i get adrenaline this is something i bring up when i'm doing my speaking I, I pride myself on being able to tackle the adventures I go after, and this is something I still struggle with. It's it's really tough. I get emotional about it. And and we're going to see more of that uh, as we play the video. Peter, Peter Slack. Uh, Peter, first of all, where are you right now? Where where are you calling in from? I'm in the United States of America. <laughs> well, that's awesome, Peter. <laughs> I'm, in Planet Earth. I'm in New Jersey. <laughs> Listen, uh, Peter, I want to ask you your first impression, but not just about the El Reno Day. You've you've been through the tornado thing a few times. Uh, more importantly, what was it like not having the like you didn't know Ricky prior to that week and you, you didn't know myself and having sort of us in control of that uncontrollable situation that must have been an unusual experience well i met you when i i remember i i came into colorado and i was ferried over to i don't know whether it's nebraska or i met you guys and it was just downpouring rain and i had had something go wrong with my i had a ear problem but i remember i had always loved chris because we had worked together in the past and and when i met you and ricky it was like hilarious the entire time so i was and then i started to get an idea of, of, you know, with you and a laptop up in the, uh, up in the passenger seat, the way that you were talking about weather, I felt instantly because I don't know what, you know, as far as the weather, the weather and the storms and the, I felt comfortable with what you knew about the weather and, and, and felt safe pretty quickly. Wow. You really blew that. Didn't you? Completely. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, let me go to you, Nick, the body. What was your impression of what just happened? You, did, you don't realize in the moment that you're witnessing history. My feelings while watching the, the stream, because I was glued to yours and a couple other chasers actually that whole day, because like you said in the setup, um, this was probably one of the most perfectly forecasted days ever. 
And so we knew it was going to be big. I unfortunately couldn't be um, be with you guys or or on my own. Um, so I had uh, one of our uh, other buddies, uh, Chris Graham, um, uh, on the text line, and we were going back and forth all day long, very excited about what people were seeing uh, on their live streams and and what they were seeing uh, and broadcasting to us. And of course, we I always had yours on in the background because. Well, on occasion, you'd ask for some information or, you know, what are you seeing? What's going on? Just because, you know, the internet connection may not be as great, especially a decade ago or almost a decade ago out on the middle of the plains. Um, so uh, I had you on as well. And it, you just you just don't think that you're going to witness an event that is going to change the course of storm chasing history, because that's what I think El Reno did. Absolutely. And and I think that's a really great way to segue into starting this video. So with uh, unless anybody has any uh, any questions before we get started again, what we're going to be doing, if you're listening to the audio podcast here today, uh, head on over to the YouTube channel, Greg Johnson, uh, the tornado hunter uh, on YouTube, and you can pull up the video and you can follow along, start from the beginning. That's where we're going to be starting. And uh, we will let you know when we're pausing the video to have a discussion. So let's get it going, guys. Right now, I'm going to push play. Uh, on the video right now, there's just uh, some text coming up. And we're just talking about uh, some of the details about El Reno. The fact that the wind speeds were close to 300 miles per hour. And it was 2.6 miles wide. And obviously, a little tribute now. Uh, to Team Twistex, mm. Tim, Paul, and Carl. So here we go. Start of the day. So I don't remember. We started the day. It was pretty much like farther southwest of El Reno, was it? And then we kind of worked our way up northeast. <laughs> Man, I see, and, and that's funny you say that, Chris. I I remember it differently. I think we we left from El Reno and drove north. And then had to come back down south uh, uh, when the when the storm started. But either way, we drove away from El Reno in the morning. Right. Right. <laughs> I remember. I remember you guys explaining that we we saw the most the most giant anvil cloud. Um, we stopped and and we we're photographing that. And and I've never seen anything that structure that large. And you were explaining obviously the jet stream and stuff like that. So that was really interesting to me. Regarding the anvil, do you guys remember seeing the photo that was taken from a plane of that anvil that came out the next day? I don't no, actually. It was incredible. I, I think uh, that storm it got up over seventy thousand feet, didn't it? Wow! Do you guys remember? And uh, yeah, they, there were shots from planes, and it was incredible, L larger than anything I've ever seen, and mm -hmm. uh, massive from a plane. You know, and 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 if you guys think about about back to that morning as as we were sort of waiting for things to get initiated we were you know peter i don't know if you remember this but like you and i were like having like this photo discussion and you know talking about uh different ways to shoot those windmills and mm -hmm. and uh, you know like we were we were not sort of i it didn't feel like now looking back that we were in the headspace of this might be the most dangerous day of our lives. Yeah, and I didn't realize it until you were up in uh, you were up in front and you looked at Ricky and you were talking about the PDS and Ricky kind of got this look on his face where you know, Ricky's done a lot of crazy shit. And so when I looked at him I was like, 
wait a second. That's when we were going over that ridge. We stopped yeah. at one point when we went over that ridge, and he got that look on his face. I was like, that's when I actually thought we were gonna see a tornado. When that forecast came out that morning, and they mentioned PDS at the same time, in the forecast they used the term "loaded gun," and it was yeah. Greg that. So I'm not laughing, but it was Greg that got me nervous because Greg never. Um, Greg has a false sense of danger, and Greg's mm-hmm. going through this, and he reads the, the loaded gun part, and then he pauses, and I could hear that their nervousness in his voice, and that mm-hmm. sounds like, you know, Greg at that point was my beacon, like that's gone now, but. <laughs> at the time and uh yeah that's what really got me nervous between that and the pds it just felt we were we were walking into the bear's cage we well well you know you know ricky i was um uh i was thinking about your your comment about the loaded gun i i made a post just just a few weeks ago actually the first time i ever heard the phrase loaded gun was that was on the el reno day yeah yeah, you know, and, and, and really what the loaded gun means, just, you know, for, for those that aren't, aren't familiar with it, it means that the forecast for uh, any potential tornado, uh, like El Reno was really set up that day that it could have been a complete bust. I'm just going to pause the video here uh, because the, the scene just transitioned from us just sort of driving up to the storm to now we're really getting into the thick of it. So let me just pause it there for a second. I just want to explain this loaded gun situation. So El Reno had the potential to be a bust day. The reason for that is that there was actually some uh, a reasonably stout or strong uh, cap that day that would have, in, in a lot of cases, prevented a storm from actually even getting started. But what the loaded gun means is that if the trigger gets pulled, on this storm in this environment, there is basically no chance that it doesn't go crazy and produce, uh, you know, a dramatic tornado. And, um, you know, for us, you know, Ricky, you said, <laughs> you know, I kind of put a little bit of fear in you uh, with good reason, right? Like it, it's, yeah. it's called a loaded gun, but we kind of saw it, I think as a bit of a right on, that means we're going to see a tornado today, you know? Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. that that was a that was a bit unusual, especially after the, all that time wait, you know, shooting for like a week and hadn't seen anything. Yeah, so right. the backstory there, right, was we had Peter out and uh, he was with us for seven, eight, nine days, something like that, and we were just mm-hmm. chasing, chasing. It was hard chase. It was hard week. Yeah. Great looking storm, but no tornado. Right. And uh, you know that whole time, and this was like you're literally your one of your last days out there. Exactly. So it was like, uh, you know, it's also going to be a big day for us if we got a tornado because that's great for for everything that we were looking for as well. But just the fact that it was this tornado is is pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. That 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 they they say they say timing's everything. Well, it for sure was uh, in this situation. Nick, is there anything you wanted to uh, to ask us? So I was just going to ask Peter. So that was your first ever tornado? No, no, no. I I shot other tornadoes but that was right that, that was my first you know being that close to it and, and being that involved so how did the how did the chase in that intimate environment compare to say when you were shooting you know um, other shows I, I got a lot more information from greg about everything there, there was a lot more 
that Chris was talking about and Greg was talking about, and I could see the models and I was, you know, I, you can see in the video that was going close onto the, it, it sounded like you knew a lot more about kind of what was going on. And, and just hearing you talk when we, when we, you know, shot the anvil and, and before the week leading up to it, I was, I was very comfortable because I could listen to more of the weather talk. And Chris was more vocal about that stuff too. So I felt mm -hmm. more, that's why I felt more confident. There wasn't with the, sh with the storm chasers, there wasn't as much of that. I was bouncing, I was doing it behind the scenes. So I was bouncing between sure. twist X and dominator and, and uh, the TIV. So right. I was, I didn't have that much. I wasn't embedded with them for as long as I it was with Greg and the team. The other question I have is now, Ricky, how many tornadoes had you seen up until this point? Because you were still relatively fresh eyed. Yeah, well, so it's, it's 2013. I started in 2012. My pardon me, my first tornado I ever saw that was uh, Great Bend, uh, April 14th, the year before, and that tornado lasted for nearly four hours, spawning every kind of tornado that you can imagine. And at the time, I just assumed this was storm chasing is like, <laughs> but you know, it's funny. Um, Everybody, Greg, everybody who, uh, there's storm chasers, we went out for the steak dinner afterwards. Everybody's like, you know what? This is your first storm chase. Hang up your hat. Retire. It doesn't get any better. And mm -hmm. I thought they were all blowing smoke. But now looking back, I get it. Like, it. It doesn't get any better than that. And so in that regard, it had a strong start. And then after that, every second chase, we would catch a tornado. And it was just, now I see we just had a horseshoe. It's not quite that way. But uh, so it felt like. I came into 2013 with a lot of experience, but um, it'd be a false confidence. We, we, we landed uh, tornadoes nearly every time in 2012, and they were all great chases, and Greg led us in perfectly, and we got close, but not too close, and everything was perfect. And so, um, yeah, it was like um, you know, a false confidence going into uh, 2013, just feeling a bit, for lack of better terms, like a bit invincible about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And 2012 yeah. was certainly like that up in the Prairie Provinces, even in Canada, because I just remember every time you'd storm chase, you'd see at least a funnel cloud, if not a full tornado. And the, and the big thing in Saskatchewan when storm chasing in 2012 is all those tornadoes open fields all the time, right? Like yeah. there was never any danger in Saskatchewan, you got four ways to escape every single tornado. Mm. But El Reno, I think, was a little, I mean, obviously, that's a huge metropolitan area. But also, the Moore tornado was really fresh in people's minds, right? Yeah, it was and 10 the, days earlier. Yeah. The yeah. absolute chaos that went on there and the devastation. So a lot of people who weren't storm chasers ended up getting on the road out of fear that day, too. And so the crowding itself, I think, lends to another. It was something I noticed watching the live streams and I was watching, like I said, several of them to see all those cars out there and then to be texting Chris back and forth to say, who are all these? Like, why are there so many cars on the mm -hmm. interstate? Like people are crossing yeah. the interstate and you can't even get across it. Like what is going on out there? And so um, I, I just I contrast that with the 2012 of the prairies where literally you were the only vehicle for miles around watching tornado after tornado. There, there would be so many different dynamics. So I'm interested to talk a little bit about the driving that day too, specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, Ricky. Well, I'm going to put this video back into motion. And, and this is where, guys, uh, the, the tornado warning has been issued. Um, we're kind of now in the vicinity of the tornado. And uh, we'll see the rain curtains and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to push play now. And uh, uh, so, Peter, at this stage, what, what, are you, what are you thinking at this stage when... When we're now we're in we're in some heavy rain and we can see some rain curtains flying around, we got a tornado warning issued. What's going through your head? 
I wasn't, I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't scared at this point just because I've been through so much. Like, you know, typically when you, in, in tornadoes, sometimes you have to punch the core. You got to go through the rain curtain to get to the other side. Um, the one thing I did learn from Chris, and I think that I'm probably jun- jumping ahead of myself, but he would take his aperture and dial down so you could see where the where the and, I, and I'm sure I'm, I'm going ahead of ourselves, but but he could when we were in the sh- Chris dialed down so he could see where the darkness was and he could see the tornado where with the naked eye you couldn't see the tornado coming at us, but when he dialed down the aperture in his DSLR he could see this thing coming at us and I did the same thing and so that was something neat that I learned from Chris that that trick that he had done Nick you had mentioned that you know there was maybe a little bit of or maybe Ricky you had mentioned about the complacency that maybe we had in 2013 because uh, because of the way 2012 had gone but I know for example when we were in this position right now and there you can see a tornado developing on on Chris's camera Mm. and in my head, sort of being the navigator, sort of saying this is where we're going to go. In my head, I'm not thinking world's largest tornado and, you know, this is something that can kill us. I'm thinking, hey, there's a tornado like every other tornado. Let's approach it from the exact same way we have every other time. It's worked before. Why wouldn't it work again? Right. For sure. Yeah, you would never, ever think that. I mean, even like today, just chasing any storm, any tornado, I would never think, oh, this is going to be the largest tornado in North America. Like you just, it just doesn't cross your head. It just doesn't go through your brain. And not even that, in terms of navigating tornadoes, I mean, you know, we've all been around dozens of them now. I mean, how many tornadoes, you know, take a, take the type of turn this one did. And and even today that never comes into my mind to think, oh, this might, you know, abruptly turn south uh, east any moment. And we need to make sure we have an exit path to the south now because we're never going to get out to the north because we're never going to be able to get out of the way like that just and it's and at the same time that it's turning south, it's also going to expand from a few hundred meters to four kilometers wide like th- that just, <laughs> you know, you never think that even today. And so that's just a, you know, kind of a word of caution to people that these things are still very dangerous and unpredictable, despite the fact that you know, there is somewhat, you know, some predictability to how tornadoes typically move, but this was not a typical tornado. Guys, I just paused the video here because, um, you know, when I look back on my photos from the day and uh, and, and even re-watching Peter this video, and I know, and, and just so that everybody who's listening is aware, Peter's job in the truck wasn't to document the weather his job was to document us, right? Chris was documenting the weather primarily. Right. I mean, Peter, you you definitely did some shooting of the weather, of course. It makes sense that you would. But but for the most part, Chris was shooting weather. You were shooting us. Yes. This moment right here, the, the the last minute that we just watched, and then this 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 shot that's a, that I'm about to put into motion here, I think is one of the most underrated parts of the day. And when I look back on my photos. You know, the photos aren't something that like the untrained eye is going to look at and go, you know, that okay, that's boring. It looks like rain. But for the storm chasers, when you see these rain bands and they're wrapping into this circulation like it was, you knew there was going to be a wedge tornado on the ground here in this shot. So let me put this into motion again. Let's push play. And you can see those rain curtains. And, and Peter, you actually do- did dial down your aperture here. And because that's all what Chris was doing, exactly. Yeah, 
Yeah, and and but like you can just like you can see how intense those rain bands are, mm -hmm. and uh, I just think it's such an underrated portion of the day. And this was actually the first time we saw the tornado. If you guys remember, it was about a mile and a half off to our uh, to our west, and it only lasted a few seconds, right, Chris? Yeah, for sure. Like uh, I feel like I, I, we didn't really get a good look. Like when it actually got its act together, it was when we were traveling east, and it was just to our north. Right. It was not. Yeah, it was at our left hand side. But this is kind of well, we were we, we were in the bear's cage at this point. We were actually uh, north of the circulation heading south into the circulation. And again, like we're thinking we're in such a good spot because like we can see it right there developing in front of us. It was wild. Yes. And I've looked at other people's footage from that day and, and the people that I work with on Storm Chasers. And we were in a really good spot. You you and Ricky and Chris and you got us in a really good spot for us to come around. I don't know how we did it, but we all of a sudden it just opened up and all of a sudden it was like tornado on the ground, tornado on the ground. And there it was. Yeah. Oh, Peter was just asking. He didn't know how we got in position. I was just, it's probably on my shoulders for that one. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point in the chase though, you're still not thinking, Oh, we're we're gonna have a we're gonna have we're gonna cut this one close. Like I know at times we'll go storm chasing, and you know you do a, an assessment of the potential risk. You look at your road network. You think, okay, like we're getting a little close here. We need to just slow it down a little bit and make sure we have a road option before we go any further. And we do a little thinking time. But at this point, you're not thinking that. You're just thinking, oh my god, there's going to be a nice tornado developing here. Or are you starting to feel that sense of dread? Well, there's no question that road network, road network played a huge role. Uh, although it's a good part of Oklahoma for, for chasing for road network, there were definitely obstructions. And one of the major obstructions was the interstate. There was, there was very limited places to cross the interstate and get to the south side. And so we had to make some decisions. And one of those decisions was the one right now where we got put into a spot where we were in the bear's cage. Are you traveling right now east? No, we're traveling south right now. Okay, you're traveling south. And so you're you're on likely some some part of the grid there. Yeah. Right, like we've just crossed over the interstate. Okay. And uh, we've got to get to an east option. The only problem is the only east option is uh, four miles in front of us. So we don't have an option here of going east and staying out in front of it. We either have to wait for it to pass in front of us or actually drive right right through it. And I remember, too, the interstate itself was, like, loaded with people, right? Like loaded. Yes. Interstate 40? Yep. Well, one of the things that, that gets missed, and I'm just going to pause the uh, video here because I, uh, I don't want us to miss what's about to happen, but I just want to tell a little story about the whole interstate thing. Nick, you mentioned about Moore, Oklahoma, that was hit with an EF5 tornado on the, the 20th of May, 2013. So it was 11 days, 10 or 11 days before uh, El Reno. That was fresh in everybody's minds. And when the PDS tornado warning went up, People in the city of Oklahoma or in Oklahoma City were in, in a panic mode because this was another major tornado heading right for Oklahoma City. People were getting in their cars, getting on the highway to try to get out of the city. And that's one of the reasons there were so many 
cars on the highway. And uh, there's been a lot of uh, um, uh, soul searching on the part of uh, uh, meteorologists in Oklahoma City for how they handled the warnings that day because people did end up sort of panicked and, you know, trying to flee the city, which is, is of course, why all the traffic jams were happening on the highways. Yeah, but sadly, the, the sad part is it's still happening, Greg. You remember, like, uh, our yeah. last chase down there was in 2019, unfortunately, pre-pandemic. It was chasing in western Oklahoma. You know, they shut down schools, let everything, you know, people out of work, and then nothing happened. It was, you know, right. a PDS day, loaded gun situation again. Nothing happened. Hmm. And, and they're I mean, still in this. They're still in the same thing. They got yeah, exactly. They got to figure out a better way to warn the public. But that's the also, tricky part. That's the tricky part. I mean, there there were there were meteorologists I remember on TV saying once the tornado had hit the ground or or it started to, it was evident that the tornado the tornado was forming southwest of El Reno. Some of those forecasters were saying like, you will not survive this in a home. Like you need to get out of the way. And so it, it sent people into their cars at right. that Panic. moment mm. onto the interstate to plug. Thank God that the, in some respects that the tornado dipped south because it was on a path to hit for sure cross Interstate 40, which was absolutely a parking lot, mm. but also to give El Reno a direct hit where I'm sure there were people in their cars thinking I can just outrun the tornado if I'm not going to survive it in my home, I'll just continue to drive away from it, drive away from it. But what you don't count on and what we need to count on now is the fact that, I mean, El Reno itself is not wide enough <laughs> to have sustained if it had taken a direct hit. Uh, uh, the whole town of El Reno, I mean, that whole city would have been engulfed mm -hmm. by the tornado at one point, that's right? If, a, if it, that's such a great point. They were, I think that somebody had done a model and, and said with the, the track of the tornado, and if it had gone over Manhattan, it would have, it would have, it just it completely annihilated everybody there, and it would have done six trillion dollars worth of damage. And I don't know if you guys remember, you know, following the news the next couple of days after that, but it was worldwide news. You know, mm -hmm. it was all over the world. It just wasn't U.S. news. It was, you know, people in the U.K., people in Europe. Like it was crazy. All right, let me put this back into motion here, guys, uh, because this is where. Uh, here, the next few minutes, this is where we uh, start to actually encounter uh, the tornado coming down. And yeah, and you know, let's you know, one thing we should mention too for those that are listening, they probably don't understand what's happening here, Chris, with um, with the radios because we can hear other voices on the radio. So let's talk about uh, uh, Jeff and Bobo for a few mm. minutes. Yeah, so we had our good friends Jeff and Bobo with us. Uh, they they were part of uh, a Viper Tours team, but I've known Bobo and Jeff from years and years ago. Great chasers, and uh, we decided to team up and chase. You know, during this last this whole week or ten days, whatever days you know we were out there, and uh, so we had radios kind of communicating back and forth between the trucks. You know, Jeff is a great meteorologist, kind of an amateur meteorologist, but. Uh, you know, they were dialed in as well. So we were tag teaming, you know, kind of going chasing the whole week with them. Look at that wall cloud. Unreal. Well, this is it's funny you say wall cloud because I think that's what we were thinking. And then Peter was the one who actually shouted out and said, I think that's a tornado on the ground. Yeah. Look at it again. Look at it again. Oh, that's yeah, still today one of the biggest wall clouds I've ever seen. 
I mean, that's definitely a wedge right there. Yeah, yeah a wedge. Yeah, and Chris, it, it, you got some amazing video of this. Yours is, is beautiful. I think this is my footage right here, right? Oh no! Yeah, I, I put I, I I cut a few bits of Chris's footage in uh, Peter yeah. uh, on those uh, segments when like exactly what you were talking about because Chris was out of the vehicle at that yeah, point. Yeah, he he got much beautiful shots of the tornado. Yeah. So this is the point where we turn north, right? And we're gonna have no. We were about to, and Chris, you shouted at at Ricky, "Don't turn here!" Because I think you saw all the vehicles. Oh yeah. Okay. At one point, though, we do turn north. Yes, that's right. We got out far enough ahead of it where we're like, oh, it's going to pass right in front of us. And then that's when it started wobbling, you know, kind of southeasterly. There you we know, go. And, and still, still at this point right here, I'm not thinking in my head like, holy shit, this is going to be the largest train in North America. Like, that just doesn't cross your head. You know, it doesn't cross your brain. Yeah, I mean, there you're looking at what looks to be pretty tight. I mean, the, the, the wall cloud is really messy, but the circulation on the ground, it, it just looks like a multi-vortex sort of tornado that's lifting and coming back down, lifting and coming yeah. back down at that point, right? So what were you doing during this time, Ricky? I know you're hauling, hauling ass driving, and were you looking out your window, looking back at the storm, or were you just focused on the driving part? Yeah, no, at this point, I was just really focused on the driving. Uh, we were moving pretty quickly, get, trying to get in position because we couldn't take that road with the chaser convergence. And we were, uh, you don't see it in the video here, but we were encountering other chasers. Uh, it, it was yeah. a busy day, and we were trying to find the right spot and, and get ourselves positioned uh, to get the footage that we were after. I really didn't start watching it until that moment where uh, you'll see later on in the video that Greg is up on the fence. And then yeah. we see those uh, that satellite come down and connect with the other one. Yep. And that's when I really started watching. Yeah. I mean, I have to admit, at this point, um, I mean, this was 2013. I didn't have one of them fancy watches that tells your heartbeat. But if I had one of those fancy watches in 2013, I can tell you what my heartbeat would have been at this stage. You know, you we're, we're watching the circulation which we now know is a much broader tornado and and what we're actually seeing are these little suction vortices these little uh you know kind of small spin-ups that mm. we're thinking oh that's the tornado but it's actually part of that larger parent circulation so this and, is sorry yeah go ahead peter stop it here for a second okay. yeah yeah that 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 part where you jumped out of the car and you ran over to the fence and you uh, went up and started shooting the tornado, I was like, what's that idiot doing? <laughs> and then I was thinking to myself, this is the guy that was on the, the, the laptop and knew exactly what he was. So that's when I jumped out of the car and I was like, well, if he's there, then I should I could probably be safe there. And that's mm -hmm. when I ran up and, and started shooting you because I think, well, hell, if he's there, then I, I'm safe. And how far away are you right now from the tornado? Do you estimate? I think we're a mile away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Looks yeah. To be like, about I think a, a grid. Yeah, I think we're about a full grid away. Like I think we're a mile away. And and the only thing I'm basing that on, Nick, is when we had passed that turn where Chris had said, "Hey, don't turn here," and we kept going. We went two miles past that, and then we made the left hand turn. So I I can I, I just have to assume that the tornado's already made it a mile further as well. So I think we're about a mile away. And so a mile out for, in my experience, that's a long 
That's a yeah, long oh, ways yeah. away from a tornado. Sure. You think we're in a great position here. This tornado is going to pass right in front of us. We're going to be able to parallel it at worst. We might have to dip a little north. We could probably get at least reduce our distance by 50% here. That's what I that's what I would be thinking. Yeah, like in my head, I thought like the tornado is going to pass just to our north a couple of hundred yards. Like we're in perfect position and then shit hits the fan. Yeah, you know, from my experience, um, of course, visually, looking at what, you, what you're getting yourself into, but I also uh, find monitoring the inflow. Like, what are the like? How strong are the winds? Your back? How much of a, of a vacuum do you feel going into this storm? Before this, we had been much closer to storms and been fine. Like, we've been beside storms that are ripping the hat off your head, and everything is sucking up into the storm, and that's getting a little too close for comfort. But at this point here, it was more of uh, like a strong breeze into the storm, giving us a feeling that we were still uh, further enough away. So, yeah, so and, you weren't and, even concerned about the inflow winds at this point at all. Like it wasn't, didn't cross your no, mind. Yeah. Okay. Not no. at all. No, not at all. Uh, you know, Nick, you had mentioned about, you know, how close we thought. The reason we turned north onto this road is, hey, here's the trajectory that this storm is going to make. It's going to be moving northeast. We're all, it's already to our north. So if we make the north turn, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be allowing this thing to literally pass north of us and, and right in front of us. And, and you know, as, as we all know, that's not what happened. But, Peter, this next, uh, as I put this back into motion and we see this part where you ran up to me, mm -hmm. um, and there, there did become a point where I, I don't know if I had a reckoning, or, or something, but I was like, okay, we, we're, we got to get out of here. But, Ricky, you, you wanted to add something. Yeah, sorry, just a quick tangent, uh, Greg. You are mentioning earlier that at this point in your life, you weren't one to uh, get a special kind of watch to measure your heartbeat. <laughs> and I find that interesting that you're wearing squash goggles out here in the field, <laughs> but you couldn't get the correct watch to go with the outfit. <laughs> Thanks. Say you were well prepared for any flying projectiles that were going to hit you in the face. That's for sure. My glasses even had uh, the rubber band going around behind That's my right. head to keep, make sure they didn't fly off. So, and you had the I rubber gussets too for dust. I did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's like one of the main questions I would get at schools. Why does that guy wear those stupid glasses? <laughs> <laughs> I bought three pairs of those. <laughs> I have them. Right on. Okay, so yeah, we're we're at this stage. You know, the the tornado is pretty impressive. Uh, one of my well, my favorite photo uh, of the tornado is the one I'm taking right at this very moment. Hmm. Um, and and if you guys remember, there was like two just, funnels i think this is it right here the two funnels yeah, kind of yeah. merged this, together into one and this is chris's footage did yeah you and, did, did you and peter talk to each other up on the mound by the fence there i don't think we said a word to each other hey peter mm -mm, i don't know and the, the one thing that i that when i researched this kind of after because i did a talk on this as well there was five, there was four satellite uh tornadoes going around and then there was one one tornado that was going the opposite way. I don't know if this is the right time to talk about this, but there was yeah, yeah, yeah. There was four satellites going around the outer uh, circulation, and then there was one that Let's was go, going against the other four. Have you guys read the uh, book uh, from Tim Samaras? Is well, story written um, after he unfortunately passed, but the the man who caught the storm. Mm -mm. I haven't read it. I've seen it advertised though. Okay, so yeah, no, I, I read it last year. And so they speak of that and because they have footage from their car that day and uh, they have 
uh, them speaking about that, about that they're recognizing there was these satellite tornadoes happening around the larger tornado. Mm. I think we experienced one of those satellites. I don't think we experienced the parent circulation. That's my that's my feeling when I look back yeah, on it, just yeah. where we were positioned. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but that's just my impression of it. Right. But, and so instead of the outer circulation, it was one of the satellites. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Just because it was so intense for that very short period of time, you know, it, it just, to me, it makes a lot of sense that that's actually what we experienced. So at this point, Ricky, you're having to turn the truck around. There's like chaser convergence on this road. Everybody's yelling at you to move the truck. <laughs> Let's yep, just talk great. really quickly about that truck. Like that truck was in great shape nice job, right before this whole trip happened. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> And, and it has never ever run the same yeah. since this day. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we're going east. Going east. So at this point, we're we, we just turned around. We're heading uh, we're heading back south on the little road that we just turned on, and we're about to turn east uh, so that we can sort of blast away from it. So that's what we're doing right now. We're we're, we're heading east and looking for a south option and again for from from the storm chasing perspective you want you want to go to that point where you can get south of it right again we think the storm's going to be going northeast or the at best east so we're looking for that south option and nick you're you're kind of chuckling over there and nodding your head uh what are you thinking at this point as you're watching it so i i was thinking why wouldn't you just stay where you are right now that, that was the first thing that that kind of mm -hmm. popped into my head as i was watching where you guys were on the stream relative to where some other people were because i had the benefit of watching like i said about a half dozen streams plus i was watching on a television the one of the meteorologists who was broadcasting the storm on radar so i had all of these pictures and i thought boy you guys are actually in pretty good position right now like i'm not sure that i'd be moving just yet but mm -hmm. i also think um, you know, there's not a lot going on audio wise that you can hear in the truck. And there's still no sense from the other chasers who are kind of in your vicinity that something dangerous is about to happen. Everyone is sort of business as usual and trying to reposition to get, you know, the best vantage point that they can. But but my thinking at that point in time was like, what's the rush here? Like you're getting great footage. Mm. You're not going to get hit in that position. Why are you moving further and uh and i mean that might have been the thing that kind of saved you more than yeah, anything i mean I, you you got you guys needed to move out of the way because you would have you know if say you were hit by a satellite mm -hmm. um on the outer circulation of the main tornado if you had stayed there <laughs> we would have been hit like, by the main you would have been hit by the main circulation for yeah, sure you bet. you bet in a central point of that main circulation right so so i'm just laughing because i i'm thinking like I'm not too vocal when it comes to navigating, particularly when I'm with, with uh, you, Greg, because you're very good at it. But there are times when I do have some opinions and I might have expressed one here and I'm thinking, boy, it's a good thing I, <laughs> I probably wasn't there because I would have thought, like, why would we move from this position? Like, uh, we can only put ourselves at a worse vantage point and maybe in a, a place that's dangerous by getting closer, right? I don't know if I'd have that thought at the time, but I certainly wouldn't have been moving if I were by myself. And 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 I honestly don't know, Nick, what triggered the 
let's get going and let's get south of this. Um, you know, it might have been a subtlety of an oscillation in the direction what, that we were seeing it moving. I, I really have no idea, but for whatever reason, we said, "Listen, we got to get south." And yeah, and the part the part about going south is the part that baffles me the most because Ricky turning around, like I think, why wouldn't you just travel the same way you came and then go south instead, right? Which would have probably been even worse. Like there's so there's so many things in that moment that are just so strange to me that I I don't know what you were thinking, but it's probably a pretty damn good thing you were thinking whatever it was that that i remember that the option ran out the road didn't keep on going uh where we wanted to go and therefore we had to dog leg back to keep going forward so that was part of the reason we were getting out of position to get back in position yeah no i think that there's a couple of those that we ran into that were yeah. dead out. yeah and and what's what's about to happen here in this next uh this next sequence we're we're now driving east the tornado is behind us unbeknownst to us we don't know this at the moment but now it's made started its southeast turn and it's now growing this tornado that we saw which was maybe a few hundred yards wide at best is now growing and it's growing significantly over the next few minutes so uh we're driving east and we make the decision rightfully or wrongfully we make the decision to turn south turn right on this next uh next road in half a mile So had you known the path in advance at this point, you would essentially be driving right into the path of the tornado. Correct. Right. <laughs> had, had we known the path of the tornado, in yeah. hindsight, we are driving right into the path of the tornado. At right. This point. So within the next five minutes, this road that you're on, that you're now celebrating, you know, how close you've been and the photographs that you're going to have in the video after, you know, you've talked about nine days of grinding out. And if I remember correctly, like, those nine days before that, it wasn't like there weren't tornadoes. Like, I'm pretty sure there were tornadoes almost every day in those 10 days, weren't there? Yeah, we just didn't see any of them. Yeah, right. we, missed, so, we missed them. Yeah. So, you're, so you're at the end of this long, frustrating week, and obviously there's that release of emotion about the excitement. And so now here you are turning south, and this tornado is now starting to get large and expand its size, and you it's obvious in your faces and your emotion there that you're just so excited to have this relief of capturing the tornado and being able to document this as well as for, you know, the project that was going on at the time, which, which was the, the show that was uh, being filmed. Right. Right. And, and I mean, if you look at this, this shot right here, I've just paused it where it looks like we, we have kind of three funnels coming down here are literally our words at this point to each other are like, this is awesome. We did it. This is going to make a huge difference for the show. And like all of these kind of emotions are running, but they're all positive still. Like even, at, even on this turn, when, when, you know, things go south here in the next couple of minutes, we're still in that positive frame of mind that like we've done. And in fact, Chris, you said to us, Guys, perfect execution. Yeah. Like, like I do, I, I kind of disagree with Nick there. Like, in my mind, I always came from like set. You got to always reposition. You got your shot. Time to move on, reposition, get in position for the next circulation to happen. So, in my mind, like we were executing like at a high level to do it perfect. Everything textbook. Yeah. I mean, that's what we thought. We thought we had done everything right. And uh, as Nick so aptly put it, we literally just turned into the path of of the tornado. So let's put this into motion. The next point that I'm going to pause it at, guys, is is our next key 
decision point and uh i think you guys know what i'm talking about but let's just let this play out for a moment this is chris's footage Right here, right here, right here is good, 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 right here. Holy cow, look at the size of that. Listen to it, guys. Can I get out? Listen, yeah, yeah, we got time. Listen to it. Peter, you asked me, can I get out? And I said, yeah, we got lots of time. Mm. Right? Like, I like I really that. believed, I really believed still at this point, I believed we were good. Now, uh, Chris, the next decision point is when you say, listen, we got to get up past these power poles so that you can get a better, we're still thinking, get a better shot, okay? Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get a shot of the truck with a tornado behind it. Right. Yeah, and see, this is the type where if I'm on a storm chase and you're still saying we need a better shot, because there are times when we shift to, okay, we got to get out of here. Like, we're going to get hit by hail. It's going to yeah. start raining. We got to get out of the rain but you're still thinking shot, get the shot. Right. We're in a good spot. Get the shot. We got lots of time, get the shot. So, I mean, it still doesn't, hasn't even dawned on you that this thing is approaching you. And not only that, but it's actually expanding in size exactly. at the same exactly. time. Yeah. Exactly. I, I'm still not thinking that we're in grave danger, but listen, listen to this next bit. So Chris wants to get past the power lines. So we do that. Right here. It's right here. Is it on stream? Can yeah. you get it there? Yeah, it's on stream. And you're worried about the stream. Always good. And it, yes, it was on stream. Can confirm. And now it seems like things have shifted a bit. Yeah. So in that moment, and I'm just going to pause it again. We just went from, hey, is it on the stream? To all of a sudden, we got to go. But something triggered us. And we all realized in that moment that we're in a bad spot. Mm. Except for Chris, of course, who's, we're good. We're good. Yeah. And I mean, Chris, uh, you know, Chris's credit, he's been filming these things on a, on a other TV show, you know, half a decade earlier, he'd had some close calls. So why wouldn't you think you're good? Like, yeah, you're close, but you're, you're the tornado's moving Northeast as a tornado should. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, and Chris is the one that's telling Greg to, to roll up the windows. It's it's just too very. So now you must be getting into that outer band because it's it's like panic mode here. Like we're all Chris is saying we're almost past it. Well, no, the tornado is actually getting larger and larger. Like it's eating right now. It's like in my mind, right? Like I'm, I'm just thinking it's going east. It's going east. Like right. I don't. I'm not looking at the map. I'm focusing on the storm. I don't on even know what the hell direction we're going. I'm just like, oh yeah, like we're fine. Why wouldn't you think that? I mean, you, you, again, the, you, you can see the edge of what the tornado looks like visually. And you think, well, once I'm past it, it's moving the complete opposite direction of the way that we're headed right now. Like, So, Ricky, I paused is it here. And in this next sequence, this is all about you at this stage. And for those listening, you're going to hear the horn. Rick, Ricky's honking the horn. There's another vehicle in front of us. It turns out some friends of ours. Brandon Sullivan and Brett Wright were, were in this vehicle, but we didn't know that obviously at the time, but Ricky, you're honking the horn. What's, what's happening. So at this point still being a new storm chaser, uh, I didn't fully know 
the situation we were in. I didn't know the danger we were in, and I'm starting to think the worst as these winds are catching up to us. You can hear the whistling. You can hear that jet engine sound. I can hear the nerves in your guys' voice going higher, and you can feel the tension in the truck. The winds are picking up. You can see striations in the rain bands going past us, showing some circulation getting up to us. And again, the sound's changing. The windshield wipers were beginning to stop working because the winds are pushing so hard. So now I could barely see. We got this SUV in front of us. Uh, I don't remember the exact speed, but it felt like they were doing 60 or 70 or 80 kilometers. And it just felt like they weren't moving. And like you wanted point, to go 100 and they're going 60. Yeah, open up. Let's get out of here. And they were they were going slow, and there's another vehicle, another car in front of them that was holding them up. So it wasn't their fault, but the car in front of them was holding us up. Yeah, and you could start to see like things, the like, trees were starting to bend over. We were starting to see some specks of debris. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified. Yeah, well, at this point, too, like having driven quite a bit, I mean, your visibility is so reduced. It's even worse than it looks on camera because sure. of the dirt coming off the road right in front of you the rain band that you're having to contend with in addition to like you say you're now dealing with active debris in your in your vision field and it's distracting to your eyes right did you guys see that power flash right before the window yeah i was just i was just going to rewind that just a a tiny little bit uh so peter you actually you know you broke the fourth wall here as the cameraman right like you did a few times right like you really what am i not going to say anything i mean (laughs) (laughs) we've been meaning to talk to you about this (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you were very pro on this one, Peter. But uh, that moment where we see the power flash, that's an important moment in, in, a, in storm chasing. The power flash is an indicator that there's a tornado wherever that power flash happened. That's a power transformer exploding, right. yep. and it, it's, a, it's a telltale sign. So let me just put this into motion again, and you'll hear Peter comment about the power flash, and, and you start to hear it in our voices now. And once I heard that term debris in the air, from my point of view, I thought, this is it. Like this, we are uh, on the edge of a tornado. That's what I was assuming if we're seeing debris. And more and more steel and wood. And Peter's yelling power flash in the back. No, 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 you're fine. And Ricky... And oh, Ricky's the only one looking at the road. Everybody else is taking <laughs> pictures. He's the only one that's actually concentrating on anything. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. It's a good driver. Here, guys. Well, that's the I mean, thing that I, that I always thought about Ricky is that, you know, he had all of our welfares to, to be concerned about where the, whatever tension he was feeling about going into the storm or going punching through the, whatever it was. But he still kind of had all of us to think about. I, I always felt like that was probably on his mind as well. You know? Yeah, a couple, couple things I want to say here is, uh, you know, I've been around a lot of different chasing, different people. And Ricky, by far, you're one of the best drivers. Absolutely. I've ever come across when it comes to extreme weather. And then number two, back to the video is when Greg says ears are popping, ears are popping. Like that's when, you know, is hitting the fan. Cause like a a tornado is a low pressure system. So if you have popping ears, that means the pressure is dropping. That means you're pretty damn close to the tornado. Greg, I got to ask, did your ears actually pop there? Yeah, you didn't experience that, Ricky, or you I know, just, I, I, just I don't remember it. I, I just don't remember, but I, I just hear that in the video, and uh, yeah, I don't remember that. 
Uh, that that really stood out for me, actually. And uh, I, I paused it here, though, guys, because, Ricky, you had talked about the windshield wipers. And uh, it was kind of a, a subtlety in this in this uh, video here. But because watch what happens to the windshield wipers in this uh, in this moment. Window up, Greg. Here's a pop in here, guys. Go, go, Ricky. No, 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 we're Big lightning in front of us. Big lightning. Horses. We're in the circulation <laughs> right now. We're in the circulation. They're fighting to move. And you can see that, like Nick was, there you go. You can see like, <laughs> Nick was saying, it's not just rain hitting your window, it's mud. Like you're getting muddy windows, you're getting debris hitting you. The whistling of that wind, it's terrifying. Yeah, my, my favorite part here, Peter, is when you say that whole thing's coming up, that whole yeah. thing's coming up. And, you know, you can. coming up. Yeah, you can hear it in your voice. And at this point in time, too, Ricky is looking for that guidance, like, is now the time to go in the ditch, right? And ultimately, he's going to make a decision about that. But even now, he knows, like, these cars in front of us are not going fast enough. Exactly. So, yeah. Ricky, this this is the moment. This is the moment right here. We're about to put it. When, when I push play again on the video, we've just seen parts of that building come up. We've seen that there was that uh, tractor, that combine that was rolling in the field beside us. Mm -hmm. We're still on the road. We're still behind Brett and uh, Brandon. And this is the moment. What's going through your head? Why the ditch? What's happening? You asked a few times leading up to this. Yeah. In the ditch, do I go in the ditch? And we're like, no, no, no. And then at a certain point, Ricky actually says, okay, that's it. <laughs> as if, yeah. as if screw you guys and and right. i i hope you i hope you're able to hear this but ricky actually goes okay that's it why is this guy stopping that's it. Watch that <laughs> did you guys hear that he's like that's it let me just play it again debris it's coming up that whole thing's coming up oh my god oh my god what can we do keep you're going, fine, ricky. Keep, going. keep going why is this guy stopping <laughs> you know, you can see Ricky too when he says that's it. His whole body shifts to the left. Yeah. Right. And so the body language in that moment is uh, I'm taking, like, uh, uh, enough getting guidance. Like, I'm making some decisions here. And, and at that point, I mean, psychologically too, I think you're probably thinking, you know, you, you've heard get into a ditch, get to the low spot. Mm -hmm. I'm going to preserve my own you know, my own life here. And it really is like, are you running on instinct at that point, Ricky? Like after you audibly say, that's it. Is it like your reptile brain at the back there takes over and you're just full instinct at that moment or what's going on? Yeah, no, that, that's exactly it. Um, something to know uh, for anybody watching the video or listening to this is um, a question I would have is why didn't you hit the ditch earlier? You got a slow SUV. You're dealing with this. Uh, like if you're in, I know uh, for most places in Canada, you'd be able to hit a shallow ditch and just pass on the fly. <laughs> you'd be back out. And that's what I would have done earlier. Uh, but this ditch was not a ditch to play around with. It was uh, it was five to six feet deep. You could mm -hmm. see it was a V-shape. Like there's no way a truck was going to make it through that. Yeah. And so yeah. that's why I was like hesitating. I was like, like, pardon my language, but if we go in there, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Like we can end up on our side. I was hesitating, but uh, we hear Peter say the whole thing is coming up. That whistling's picking up. Greg's now said the ears are popping. I know that has to do with being too close to the tornado and the low pressure. Everything was adding up in my head. Like, if you want to say like a scale one to 10, it felt like we were rapidly like moving through five, six, seven. And I didn't want to see what eight, nine, or 10 was.
yeah, I was done. I was done listening, and my job is to <laughs> get our team out of there safely. And I was going. And when that also something you don't quite see in that video is as that building comes up, of course, the two vehicles, they pause in front of us. So they were already going slow and they have come to nearly a stop and I wasn't going to slow down my pace. And that's yeah. another reason why I hit the ditch is I wasn't willing to hit the brakes. And then so instead we hammered the gas and hit the ditch. Yeah. And, and Ricky, if you're, if you're wanting to see exactly what Ricky's talking about, go on YouTube, find Brandon Sullivan El Reno footage. Uh, so El Reno, Oklahoma, Brandon Sullivan, May 31st. And uh, they actually had a GoPro camera mounted mm -hmm. in their vehicle. And in that video of their GoPro camera, you can actually see our truck bouncing through the ditch, yeah. flying past them on the left-hand side. Yeah. And Ricky, that was at this very moment uh, that we're watching right now. So, And, and I mean, at that point in time, their vehicles getting hit by a full hay bale right. and uh and when you watch that brandon sullivan's video the back end of your truck if you pause it is completely off like the well ground. off the ground right. well off yeah. the ground yeah but it's not my truck so <laughs> <laughs> drive drive it like a rental <laughs> this is where this is where nick comes into this story because uh, Nick has a background in psychology, and I just want to listen to our words here for a second, guys. Hail. Big hail. No, no, no. Yeah, keep going. Keep going. Go south. No, no, don't hit the car. That's okay. Just slow down. Go. Great job. Great job. point we were out of the danger zone but i couldn't find my find it myself to slow down i just wanted to keep running yeah i thought peter did a great job though trying to calm everyone down well i think everybody was trying to calm calm because we knew I, I don't know i feel like we all knew the pressure that was that was on ricky trying to get us out of there and he's the he's the he's the the one person that had all of our lives in his hands right Control, yeah, yeah. yeah so. and imagine i mean ricky you're probably not at this point you know it's not flooding into you that you've just been responsible for maintaining the lives of mm -hmm. yourself and three other people but exactly. you know that part of you that is geared towards survive at any cost when you're describing like continuing to run mm -hmm. there's a good evolutionary brain reason for that to not stop until you know and then when you start to say like you think your tires are pop, those are things where you can start to recognize that 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 processing part of your brain is coming back, but still heavily focused on, you know, our tires might be popped. And if we need to go again, we ain't going to go. So we got to get as far away as possible right. at yeah. this point. Right. And Greg, your voice, like when you're saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, in the moments before that, that was about the last thing that we heard 
on the live stream. So Chris Graham and I are watching sort of together um, on the live stream and we're texting each other the whole day. It's uh, 5.06 p.m. our time. Chris texts me and says, Greg's got a tornado on his stream now. It's about 6.10, 6.11 p.m. when the tornado starts to dip south and is really headed uh, on that southeast trajectory and getting bigger at the same time. And at that moment, Graham says, are you watching this? Exclamation point. And I say, I just said, yes, it's not good. And Graham says, the feed cut out as soon as was literally hitting the fan. I hope they're okay. And I said, yeah, you need to check out. And I said to this other storm chaser, there's someone else who's got a clear picture, but they can't stay with the storm either because the tornado is now too close and has actually taken the hood off of their vehicle and so they're also getting out of the way. So then we pause to watch this other uh, feed now. And then Graham says, I saw a building fly across the road in front of Get Greg's truck mm. seconds before it cut out. And I said, I know I saw it too. I can't believe they were on that road. And at that point in time, because I'm like, I'm like uh, Cubby, like I get so disoriented in the moment when we're chasing, like, I don't know which direction we're going, but I assumed that you were headed directly into the tornado for some reason. Mm. <laughs> like you were driving in that path because it didn't even cross my mind that that tornado could have possibly taken a dip toward the Southeast. That possibility never entered my mind. And certainly the possibility that this tornado had now expanded from 400 meters to 10 times that size at four kilometers wide, that never popped into my head either. And so I was thinking like, well, these guys got exactly what they deserved for positioning themselves in that <laughs> way. Like psychologically, there's a protective part of you too that says, well, I wouldn't make that same stupid decision. But I think if I were alone that day, like I said, I'd probably have been right in the middle of that, that thing too. And, and um, I don't know what would happen to me, but it was about four minutes after that, that I texted him back to say they are okay. And that's because I texted Ricky. Ricky was actually the only person I could get a hold of. I sent a text to all of you. But uh, Ricky just said, we're okay. And, and that was that. I left it at that. And I said, uh, you know, Ricky says his, their vehicle is really damaged. And then we talk about this hood flew off the car. Mike Bettis just messaged me. I messaged him to make sure he was okay because his feed went dead too. And of course, they were tossed into a field by the tornado, like 200 yards into a field. And so I just DM'd him and said, are you okay? And he said he was okay, but that he'd been tossed into a field. The Weather Channel <laughs> vehicle is rolled off the road. Like mm -hmm. all of these things are happening and I'm doing my best to keep up on Twitter at the time to make sure that people are tweeting and are okay. At that point, I thought something happened here that isn't right. Like these people, Bettis, Timmer, you guys, like, what, how could all of you have been hit? That's what I'm thinking back home, right? Like, mm. the, the feed isn't on at this point, but you can hear it in your guys' voices, the, the, the level of fear that's now turning soon as we continue the video that's going to turn into this realization that, you know, what's just happened and we just survived something, right? Like, we've had a near-death. Just to back it up a second, like, I don't know if, I don't think any of us caught it in the video, but Ricky, you could speak to this. So when we were in the ditch, the decision to pull out of the ditch is the reason because a vehicle, a farm truck, flew in the air and landed right in front of our in in front of the path of our vehicle. So that's why we bounced back out of the ditch. And Ricky, can you speak about that a little bit more? I get the question. I'll show people when I'm speaking. I show them this video here, and uh, I get the question: Were you scared? 
and absolutely i was scared 10 minutes before this <laughs> and so it's, it's interesting it went from uh being scared to my adrenaline spiked like uh i'm talking like a, like a skydiving your life's on the line like it's going out the roof uh like all senses go uh, pretty much at the point where i say that's it and we go into the ditch that's when life just slowed down and i became super sad um i was certain you know um you were certain that the people who were behind you were killed by that tornado yeah i saw their car get lifted up and i didn't think yeah. we were going to make it and because we saw that baler rolling in the field and I was, I was certain we were gonna not make it through and um we were we weren't in that ditch long but it felt like time slowed right down and then uh both peter and i saw a farm truck like a two-ton green farm truck flying through the air and it was rotating it was coming around like the edge of the circulation and uh i was i was certain i was like that's it you know what if that's up in the air at any moment we're getting sucked up and that'll be it i was waiting for it i was expecting it to come right over top of us and then all of a sudden it made a sharp hook and it dropped out of the sky and it landed right in front of us in the ditch yeah. and the next day we went back and saw our tire tracks uh-huh. and i missed that uh that truck by inches I, but as soon as I saw it hit the ground, I steered back up onto the road. We hit an approach at the same time, and we got uh, we jumped the truck in the air, <laughs> and then we landed on the other side of the road. I was able to pull us back into position, um, but it was terrifying. Yeah, I yeah, want to so- say I want to say when we jumped back onto the road, I think that is the moment when the stream clicked off. It is. Yeah, and we hit up. So they have the the. Ricky's exactly right. It was this 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 angled thing where you had to be up like this or like that, and he, and Ricky yeah. kept us right in the middle of it. And but then there's that area where the the um, a drive goes down to the pasture and it goes up, and I think that's what he hit. So Ricky, what you're like, you know, what you've described there, when your body goes into that sort of primal fear, there's good evolutionary reason why as human beings, we needed to zip out of situations really quickly, right? Saber two tigers running you down, you don't want to stand still in that moment. And so we're really conditioned to move out. But those sensations you're describing, like when you go into that mode, your heart rate gets fast and your lungs, your breathing rate gets faster, right? So more oxygen, your eyes, they dilate. So that sensation of time standing still when you've got your eyes that are dilating, your ear hearing becomes sharper, your blood actually thickens to begin the clotting process ahead of time to save you from injury. And Mm. so your blood thickens up, which gives you another sensation of this slowing down, slowing down. Your skin stops uh, producing sweat at times or else it'll produce a lot of sweat, especially afterwards. And blood flow increases to your muscles that are sort of meant to preserve you. So your hands and feet get tight and they get very cold. And so you get this, this pain sensation in your hand, except as soon as that happens, the body turns off pain perception. You're just in the moment. Like there's mm-hmm. no past and there's no future. And yeah. so when that happens, there's no concept of time, right? And so that slowing down that occurred is actually what probably saved you. Like when you see in movies like The Matrix or Superman in a Superman, you know, in a superhero movie, and you see that time slowed down, and you see that truck hit the ditch in front of you, you're able to perceive that in such a manner that you can quicken and sharpen your reaction even by a few milliseconds because a couple of inches, 
I mean, that's a split second decision to rip that truck back out of the ditch, right? So Mm -hmm. what you described there is exactly what anyone who survives an, uh, an experience like that talks about. Guys, this next sequence, I'm gonna I'm gonna push play and and uh, let's uh, let's let the uh, let's let the video do the talking here just for a couple minutes because I I think there's some really key points that we just talked about that you're gonna actually hear discussed in this next sequence. So let's just let this run for a minute. I saw a truck fly across the road right in front of us, as if we couldn't have went. We lost our back windows. I was pretty angry at that point. We almost lost the cab. A huge farm truck flew right across. Did you not see that, man? I did. I think I might have it on tape. We could have went, too. We could have went, too. All right, I think there's somebody behind us, guys. Yeah, let's go. go. Where are we going? In my mind, I was blaming Chris and Greg. I know that's not right, but I put my... No, I mean, Ricky, I, I, I mean, I've been... Literally, the reason I put this video together, I've been wrestling with that for eight years, man. See that hook on radar, though? Unbelievable hook on that radar picture. Like, that is just absolutely insane. And that anger piece, Ricky, like, are you conscious of the anger at that point, or are you... Oh, yeah, I wanted to punch both of them. I I felt I felt like they did it on purpose. Hmm. Well, no, but mainly because we had done it to him on purpose before. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm the just, thing, you know? I'm just thinking about even earlier that year with the... Uh, the hailstorm. Uh, hail <laughs> yeah, all right. trust lost after that. But but uh, you know it's funny when I when I was putting the started to stop it. But when I was putting the pilot together and you sent me all sorts of footage of of tornadoes that you had, had documented beforehand, massive tornadoes, most amazing looking tornadoes. I, I when I saw them, I was like, you guys have seen so such amazing stuff. Was this tornado different because of the fact that it was? Uh, the the size of it and because it was hidden behind wall clouds and rain curtains and stuff like that yeah and i think behavior peter was right, what was different change that right yeah it was just it was the behavior i mean everybody that day the obvious big one is is tim and 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 carl yeah. and paul yeah. i mean they're the they're the the gold standard in storm exactly. chasing right exactly. they approached the storm in the same manner that they had hundreds of other times and they paid the ultimate price. Right. And so what made it different wasn't like, I don't think visually it was significantly different than any other tornado or any other event that we saw, but it was the behavior that was different. I think that's what made, made the most difference, honestly. Yeah. Let, let, let me ask you this, Ricky. So, <clears throat> and all the other tornadoes that you've seen before that, like, I don't think you've ever been that close to like buildings getting ripped up, farm vehicles getting tossed around, hay bales. For sure, yeah. So that's your first experience. So I can see where you're coming from, but obviously, I mean, you know, that's a crazy, crazy situation. We never meant to put anybody in that situation. It's just the way the storm reacted and the yeah. way it kind of evolved throughout that that afternoon. You know, it's so unpredictable, and and no one's ever been in that position before. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And now looking back, and now knowing what I know, uh, I don't blame you guys. Like we were just making the best decisions with information we had at hand, and with our state of mind at that point, at that point, I looked up to you guys, not anymore. <laughs> and, uh, two of us. yeah, I just had my trust in you and it felt like, it felt like something reckless had happened. And, right. um, mm-hmm. 
But I think yeah. also what elevated it was like seeing that building get blown up right in front of you and hay bales and like the vehicles and the, mm-hmm. all that stuff happening, right? Like that's and that's no lie. Ricky, and I don't know why we're the only ones that saw it, but two and a half ton uh flatbed far old farm truck mm-hmm. like spinning going across the front of the car. I mean it was yeah. and I and I had said in the video you can hear it, I was like, Yeah, I think I might have gotten that. I didn't get shit. um but just seeing that thing twist across right in front of us, this enormous, it's like that, that was a pretty strong tornado or satellite tornado, whatever it was. For sure. And like uh, Greg mentioned earlier, um, it was actually a baler that was rolling through the field and baler right. massive implements that are heavy yeah. amongst like these like thousand pound hay bales that were getting picked up off the ground and launched over a vehicle. Unfortunately, you can't see in the videos, but everything that was heavier than our truck was getting launched and tossed around. Like it was just a matter of seconds until we were about to go. Like the fact that we made it out there out of there is a fluke. You remember so, the next day, remember the next day when we went back and we yeah. looked at, at the scene, like remember all that old school farm equipment they had that with like blades on it yeah. <laughs> and all this. We we're like, Oh my God. Right. Like, yeah. It could have gone bad. I was just going to ask uh cubby a question because you, you know, you'd been in situations like this before. I remember on the old uh, show that you had there, like a window had gotten blown out and you were bloodied in that scene. And, and, uh, but what are you thinking right now? Like after this has like, are you still pretty calm or did your adrenaline spike? anywhere past your your like you're always even keel i never see you get too rattled so yeah and, i mean i felt pretty calm like i did feel a little nervous because i was afraid that like you know ricky after the fact like after i knew for sure we were 100 percent out of danger he was driving full out you know and it was like we were still on a dirt road like i was still right. questioning that but like i knew that we were okay and i even i think i even like high five peter a couple times in the back seat saying like yeah we got gold today you know like let me ask you this question would you process this any differently now that you're a family man oh for sure mm-hmm. yeah 100 you know back then i just was just a solo male living yeah. at greg's house <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> living the dream guys listen let's uh let's put this into motion ricky in this next uh sequence you actually speak to some of those things that we just talked about and again i i just i want to let this video play guys for a few seconds because i think some of the conversation here is very important Great, ricky. I totally at least not today i don't got it i don't think the truck can handle that again no right now. oh yeah two or three feet off the ground at one point yeah we, i was uh when i, I saw hit, that stuff coming towards me when i went down the ditch we hit an approach and, and then we land on the other side of the ditch in that farm truck i was out of control there were three or four buildings i'm worried that there was yeah. other guys there was cars in there that we passed there was there was cars in that there that car they survived it i don't know if they did i don't want to talk about it if a farm truck can go, any one of those cars could have went, including us. And it was like a two-ton farm truck. Oh, yeah, yeah, way bigger than us. I hope those other boys don't pop, man. Chris, right, can you send out a tweet right now? I got nothing, but can you please send something out to Tammy that we are fine and please to tweet it out on my behalf? Stop sign. We got a little guy way down there on the left, and we're clear so I can see on the right. What do we want to do? Um, hey, where's Bubba? Bubba. I don't know. They're away in front of us. Okay, you gotta go. Uh, you gotta go uh, right here. All right. Should, I, should we call Bobo? Yeah. Chris, call. can you call Bobo? Yep. 
So we're coming up to the point uh, we pulled over and uh, Brandon and Brett were, were they, they rolled up right behind us. Well, the buildings, and I saw the farm truck line right beside us, and we missed that farm truck by inches, hey? And we were in the ditch, like... Yeah, we did miss that farm truck by inches. Chris was basically... I actually... Tammy, think I had sex with Chris. <laughs> I thought we were dating, man. <laughs> I, what I love is that... Is as soon as, a, as soon as the opportunity came up to crack yeah. a joke... Yes, it turned him around. You know, even that subtle touch to the shoulder there that, you know, <laughs> things are okay now. It's a very tender moment, but, like, that's the type of body language that keeps us bonded together yeah. to support each other, right? And so the humor and the touch and, you know, the making eye contact with other people without saying anything, all of these things are things that link us together to reduce that level of stress I watch this as a, as someone who's who's studied psychology for years and years, and this is just really like you could you could give a class with this video on the psychological and physical effects of fear and escape and 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 those primal emotions that we have that keep us, you know, alive. So here's uh, right now we're we're just interacting. Ricky's interacting with Brett and Brandon. We were behind you guys the whole. Yeah, it was just so great to see that they had made it. After seeing that hay bale hit them, and the front of the truck was picking up, and that was the last time we saw them. And you can see their windshield there is completely smashed as well. Yeah. I don't know how we made it. I don't know how they made it. I had a completely different view of this. I, 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 My view was these are the guys that could have gotten us killed. And they were not going fast, and and this is why Ricky had to turn into the ditch. And these, if there's anybody that could have killed us that, that day, it was these guys. Yeah, I don't know who was driving that vehicle, but I feel like they paused and panicked once that uh, building went up and the hay bale hit their vehicle. I think they stopped in the road. Yeah, that's what we, Ricky said. We were we were going, we were crawling at one point, and I was like, and and Greg, you said, why are they stopping? Why are they, you know? Well, it was interesting, Peter, if, if you do get a chance to check out Brandon's footage, th their interior footage, like ours, is also compelling footage. You know, Brandon, who was in the passenger seat, was screaming at Brett to go, like oh, okay. screaming at him. And I think Brett was just in a an out-of-body experience. Yeah. He just was not pushing the gas pedal and uh, I would love, you know, it would, in hindsight, it would have been great to have them on this uh, on this episode as well. But maybe we'll do that uh, another and time. Nick, Brandon actually said too in his screams, "If you don't go faster, we're going we're going to die." die. Yeah. That's that that is something he said. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't for lack of trying, but I think Brett probably did freeze up again. I think he was pretty new too, and this is one of his first sort of close encounters as well. But it, yeah, it wasn't for lack of trying on on Brandon's part. He was committed right. to punching it, right? Yeah, punching I just it. I just didn't didn't understand it when it was happening, and and of course. And interesting how you have those different perspectives, right? That's why two people can witness the same thing and have completely different stories, is because of the perception of that moment. Ricky's relief that they're alive, and your I, I, yeah. I honestly I wanted to, to kick the out of him. Okay. So what we're doing is we're tracking the tornado, getting as close as we can, and uh, we got a little close to us. We started taking off, 
This vehicle you see here, this gray SUV, got in front of us, and they were going as fast as they could, and we were right on their tail the whole time. And uh, we saw another car in front of them, and everybody got pushed around by the tornado. A building started getting ripped apart in front of us, and that's when shit hit the fan, and I pinned it. I was not looking out for anybody. I hit the ditch, and went as fast as we could. We were airing our vehicle. I saw their vehicle get lifted up. I thought they were gone, and, but they're here now, thankfully, and I can't even imagine what else has happened or where that other car went, and it's awful. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if there's a house, but definitely a barn, a tin barn. There's red steel flying everywhere. There's beans flying across the road. I saw a full two-ton farm grain truck, farm truck, fly, fly over top of the front of our hood about know, 100 yards up. And as I dodged these vehicles, that farm truck was in the ditch. Had to hit the ditch, and we barely missed it by inches. And jumped to Culver. So lucky to be here. It was frightening. Yeah, we were we were in the in a ditch, but, a, but not a small ditch, like deep, like five six feet deep. Our vehicle was just getting hammered on. We were bouncing from side to side. It was out of control. I wasn't quite aware what was happening. All I knew was I had to hold on and pin it as fast as I could. I'm shaking right now. I'm not sure what else to say. Important to get that as it happened because because everybody shook up after it happened. So my first instinct was to get it a field interview with Ricky or, or whomever else right, right away. It actually blew me away that you had the wherewithal, the presence of mind to actually keep doing that. Shit. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't have a single photo after the tornado situation. Like I did not take another photo. The rest, like even when we were off the side of the road, the tornado was still ongoing while you were filming that interview with Ricky, the yeah. tornado still ongoing Remember and basically in the background, like yeah. we, like it was literally over there in the background, yeah. but like, that's just not where our brains were at that point. So kudos to you, Peter, for being able to do that. Let's wrap up this way, guys. That was the end of the video. Cubby, I want to go to you first. Final impressions, final thoughts. Yeah, so a couple of things for sure is, uh, one, you know, like maybe during those situations, I'm not really in the moment of like realizing what's happening in my surroundings. Like I get so hyper-focused on getting a shot, getting mm -hmm. the shot, keeping on the storm, telling you guys what's going on from my perspective. Like I don't think I'm really like visually looking around. I didn't see that barn go up. I didn't see the truck flying in the air. You know, I didn't see the other vehicles in front of us. All of a sudden, we're in a ditch, and I'm just like, I'm trying to keep keep a shot here. Can you hold a steady for me? You know, like, that's what <laughs> I'm thinking. And uh, so, like, once again, just like kudos to Greg for the navigation. Kudos to Ricky, you know, for the driving and just knowing when we need to kick it into gear. Mm -hmm. Kudos to Peter for being one of the best camera operators I've ever worked with. You know, and once again, you know, it was an amazing experience for me. It was something that you'll never forget the people you're with, the situation you're in, you know, like you can't really share that experience with somebody else. You can't even really explain it to somebody else. You know, it's one of those things where you have to be there. Ricky, what about you? Final thoughts. <clears throat> I have to go beyond just final thoughts. Um, something that you don't see in this video is that we needed Wi-Fi to get our content up as that's part of our gig. And we went down this road here a couple kilometers. We pulled, I forget the town we pulled into, but Mustang. I we pulled, Mustang. That's right. We pulled into McDonald's and we were so focused on getting Wi Fi that a funnel yes. started to drop down right in front of our truck. <laughs> exactly. And I was so, I was so spent. Like I couldn't handle it. And I was like, no, 
like I, so I, I wasn't laughing. I was just like, I, I yeah. couldn't do it. I was like, we have to. I don't know what. I, get to, I remember saying to Greg, like, I don't know what we have to do, but just can we just get away from this? Yeah. We were going to chase it again. <laughs> we yeah. were. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't do it. And there's down power lines. We weren't going anywhere. Yeah. Anyway, you know, the last the, um, the last thing I'd love to say about it is to Nick's point about, you know, Peter reaching forward and touching the shoulder. I remember that moment. And you're right, Nick. It's exactly what it was. It was a release that let me know that we were okay. And I, and I, and I trusted Peter. And he was telling me that through that. And it's interesting. You know, they talked about it. And you see it in other movies and books that they talk about something major that happens in your life. And it forms this bond with those others that you're with. And that did happen for, forever from now on, uh, whether I like it or not, I have this special bond with Peter, Chris, and Greg because of that. That is the, one of the, the scariest, most uh, defining points of my life. And I, you know, nothing um, It's just in those fellows, the guys I experienced it with. Yeah, you, you don't get unbonded from those moments. And, and as a, someone who wasn't there, like I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm not going to lie to you. I, didn't, I have no interest in if I could take a time machine and do it with you, I wouldn't do it. There's that, you know, we, we've had other opportunities to bond in storm chasing and we've been in other precarious situations more recently than that. But you, you four guys are bonded in a, in a way that's probably less comfortable than you're, you're comfortable being bonded to each other. And that's a really good thing. And again, there's evolutionary reason for that, right? Like our species has survived a long time. And so when you, when you look at it from that perspective, I mean, you guys, uh, I think all of us would consider each other to be very close friends and we'd go down any road for each other if we needed mm. to. And, and those moments, you can see that in the body language, like you all wanted to let everyone else know we're okay. And I think as men sometimes too, we don't always acknowledge that um, sometimes we need help getting okay. And so um, just reading that whole situation too, as an outsider, like it's pretty obvious that, um, that some bonds were made that day. So I, I I would agree with you 100%, Ricky. Like whether you like to or not, it'd be pretty hard for you to turn your back on these three guys and say, "I'm done with you." For sure. Yeah, Peter. What about you? Final thoughts about Ricky is like he was the dude that kind of like when I looked at the raw video, Chris, that you sent a couple days ago. Like, bro, like this is happening. This truck's coming over the thing. It's your Ricky dude. That but it's like he's like. Straight as an arrow the whole time. And then he kind of went off and did this and he jumped back up and did the old, you know, just the good old boys and just jumped over <laughs> and everything. But he st- he got us back to where we were at some point needed to be. And with all of this shit happening and yelling about all this stuff, all three of us yelling about all the stuff that's happening and, and, and you staying, you might've been kind of, yeah, experiencing all that, but at the same time you were still charging through and, and getting us out of it. So Thanks to you. All right, guys, we would be remiss if we didn't actually talk, get a chance to talk tonight about Tim Samaras, uh, his son, Paul Samaras, uh, fellow researcher and chaser, Carl Young, who probably if you're listening to this podcast, you're aware of who they are because you're uh, into the world of storm chasing in some way. First of all, Peter, let's go to you. These three guys, uh, they were the... Uh, the Michael Jordans, the Wayne Gretzky's, the Tom Brady's of storm chasing, you know, they got, you know, caught out of position. They lost their lives. And, you know, it was the, it was the tragedy that, that, that was El Reno and, and nobody can actually mention El Reno, Oklahoma without thinking about uh, those three guys, team twist X. Tell us about your relationship 
uh, with Tim and, and uh, you know, from Storm Chasers. Yeah, so I did a behind the scenes of Storm Chasers. So I just spend time with all three teams, Twist X and, and the Tiv and, and the Dominator. So we were just trying to figure out where to go to meet these teams and, and you know, do behind the scenes with them and, and interview the producers and how hard it was and the shooters and amazing people that worked on the show. We, we spent a bunch of time with Tim and Tim was so uh, diligent ab about the science and everybody was just like in awe of what he knew. And he always had these innovative ideas and, and, you know, whether he's putting different pods, I don't know what you call them, the pods down to, to, to study the uh, circulation and have tornadoes run over them. And, and he was always innovating stuff and he had universities behind him. So he was kind of like the egghead of all of them. And he was the safest chaser and so that's why the storm chasing community reacted. So I mean, they were flabbergasted by the fact that he was the one that, that um, got caught into yeah. a bad situation, which is why when you talk about the El Reno tornado and how it did this crazy turn, then you can imagine that, that maybe he didn't forecast it to do that as well. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Like uh, <clears throat> I think, I think I want to say it was like two days. I feel like we were already traveling North. And like we kept, I kept getting texts or seeing it on social media and it's, it's so crazy, right? Cause Tim and his team, they were the definition of safety. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were the true definition of safety, always watching from a distance, always concerned about other chasers. Uh, I can't remember countless number of times when, you know, I was on the other team that Tim would run up and be like, Hey, you guys, okay. You guys, okay. That was amazing. Yeah. You know, like just so concerned and so involved in that whole community and I remember during uh, just celebrating the April 27, 2011 outbreak, Tim was out there. You know, we kept leapfrogging with Tim throughout the day. Uh, once we came upon Tuscaloosa, you know, we went to this firefighter college and it was just a somber situation. And we had just got done doing search and rescue. We go back to the firefighter college. We're taking a lunch break and Tim just pulls a seat up next to me. He pulls out like we were eating MRIs or MREs or whatever they're yeah. called in the army let's see who can finish theirs first, you know, and just like cool situation. And then I even spoke at a, like at Mississippi university and Tim, I followed Tim. I was a keynote and Tim led me into that. I couldn't believe that. Right. I was just like, yeah. you know, it should be the other way around Tim, but he was just so supportive. You know, he's yep. such a good dude. Yeah. Just a solid guy, solid team. And it was very tough, you know, to get that news. And I, I still didn't believe it. I think for the first couple of days, Cubby, I remember when you got that call, it was, uh, it was around, it was right before midnight and we were driving home and everybody was still up in the vehicle. And I remember you asked to pull over and you got out and you're on the phone and you started crying. I'd actually never seen you cry before. Yeah. It's real tough. Still think about him to this day. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I just I just think about the reaction even of the Storm Chase community as a whole because like I said, I wasn't there but was monitoring Twitter and had every Storm Chaser's feet up and and on social media, sort of cryptic first tweets that come out, right? Like RIP, mm. RIP, and I think, you know, who well, who could that have been? Like who do I know that was was even crazier than you guys that day? You know, you never you, you don't think that it's gonna be Tim and and uh and his crew at all. And I, I had met Tim a couple of times as well. And I like you, Greg, I wouldn't say he was a friend, but do you remember, um, this is like 10 years ago. We actually had a little podcast for a while called, uh, storm clowns, storm clowns. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Tim was a guest on our show. Yeah, and I did. just remember, and that was about six months before that. Like that was not long yeah. before. I think it was in November yeah. of that year. 
And I just remember thinking when we booked him, thinking like, why the hell would this guy want to come on this stupid ass podcast show, right? Like I was in total awe and I listened to it um, recently and it's obvious that I am uncomfortable. Like I'm not uncomfortable around anyone, but I'm uncomfortable talking to him about some of the amazing contributions to the science that he he had that pressure drop that he recorded in, in 2003 from like 960 millibars to 850 in three seconds and then back up. I uh, like, you have to know a little bit about weather and pressure to understand that, but it is absolutely unfathomable that a tornado could create a pressure drop like that in that short a period of time. Nobody thought that that was possible. And, and, you look at tornadoes a different way because of that contribution. And I think we all look at them a little bit differently now because of what occurred with Tim as, and his team as well. So yeah. I, I don't know Tim and I, I just know of him from the book I read and from my see about him online. And of course from storm chasers, something I really got from the book, which is also really a part of storm chasing well, but really from Tim's work, um, absolutely humble, hardworking dude and the determination that he had, and, you know, um, you're speaking about, Nick, about uh, the contributions he's had to the science community and what he was doing. That did not come easy. Uh, you know, catching the storms, being a safe storm chaser, having these heavy tools to get in position. There was multiple times that he came upon the perfect storms he was after, and he wasn't able to catch them because uh, certain parameters with how he was able to chase, with wherever his funding was coming from, or his machines were too heavy, or he couldn't get into position in time, like... Yeah, just the determination of it all. It blows my mind, the years of effort. And it's not like he got rich from doing that job. And he was so dedicated to it too, right? Like he was a celebrity in the storm chase community. But if you ask the, uh, the, you know, the average person, no, they don't know who Tim Samaras was. Right. um, Unless they're a photographer or, or a lightning enthusiast or a weather nerd. And that's, that's the part about it that I think is so fitting for Tim is because I don't know that based on the times I met him, that he would have wanted that anyway. He you seemed uncomfortable with that yeah. level of... Yeah, you and, you and Ricky are right. He's hu- super humble and respect. Like, everybody respect. And, he, and, and people, obviously, people in the community respected the hell out of him. Yeah, so speaking to Peter and, and Greg here, too, like, when I spoke with him at the University of Mississippi there, he had was showcasing that camera that he had in the back of a U-Haul moving truck. Mm. That would take a million frames a second. Right, right. Powered <laughs> like by helium. Yeah, yeah like how crazy is that, right? Yeah. Like, Just lastly, I remember seeing tributes that they did um, for Tim. I don't know how they did it, but they did his initials. You could you could look at it from a satellite. I don't know if anybody saw this, but they yeah, spotter network. Yeah, yeah, they, they yeah. So you s- you light your beacon up, your GPS beacon, and and you set exactly. it to the those coordinates, and and a number of us lit up our spotter beacons yeah. for for a period of time during his his service yeah yeah it, there it just the, he was so well loved with the with the storm chase community yeah guys i, I think it, you know we couldn't have uh, done a a show like this without mentioning tim and paul and and carl as well uh again guys thanks so much for uh for for tuning in uh check out past episodes of el nino's the tornado hunters podcast uh, we've had on Chris Bukowski from uh, The Bachelor. We're going to have Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong is going to be on uh, May 13th. We're going to have him on live. 
And uh, we've also got uh, lined up Snoopy. That's right. Snoopy from the Peanuts gang is going to be a guest. Check it out. Hit the follow button. Hit the subscribe button, the like button, whatever your podcast app has for uh, Cubby and Peter and Ricky and Nick the Body. I'm Greg Johnson, and I want to thank you for tuning in to uh, El Nino's, the Tornado Hunters podcast, and our special episode, El Reno Commentary. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been El Nino's, the Tornado Hunters podcast, part of the Stormfront Freaks podcast network. Get on, man! Whoa! Good driving, Ricky. Vehicles underneath it. Oh, it's taking up potholes. <laughs> <laughs>